did this come fun. from? Like I, this album was like, I was like, oh, I did, definitely didn't see this coming. <laughs> so it's really funny. So, you know, we went through this whole thing, right, where I, I told you I needed to take a month off for uh, some yeah. some some personal family stuff. And, um, and, and so this is not the album that was supposed to come next. In our last conversation, I had mentioned to you that I had, I think I'd mentioned to you there was a documentary that um, I wanted to recommend, but I couldn't recommend it yet because it would spoil. And so I still can't recommend it because it'll still spoil. <laughs> Thanks. What's, what's coming up? <laughs> Big Time Tease over here. There is. Um, which is another album title, Big Time Tease. <laughs> Big Time um, Tease. <laughs> but uh, so... I don't, I don't really, I, I can't ever explain truly my motivation for anything. Um, that's why we go to therapy. Uh, but, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> to try and figure out our own motivation for things. But um, the, you know, I, 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 so this kind, this genre of music, and I don't want to insult anybody. But this genre of music, it ain't my thing. <laughs> you know, e EDM, you know, whatever you want to call it. You know, I, I and I don't really know what to call this thing that I that I made. I don't know what subgenre it would fit into, you know. But um and and honestly I tried to figure that out. <laughs> it, it might sound kind of silly, but I you know, I'm not well versed in all the subgenres of uh, what we might call EDM. Uh, I'm not a raver. I'm not somebody who, you know, I, you know, you don't see me at Burning Man. You know, I, I just, uh, I don't know my DJs, you know, I, I just, uh, <laughs> it's not my world, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, I uh, but I, I decided I'd, I'd immerse myself in it just just a little bit. You know, I'm going to put my toe in the water over there. I'm going to see um, if there's stuff that I'm missing out on that, you know, I, I really would love things like that. And, um, you know, quite frankly, the answer was no. <laughs> <laughs <laughs> you know, so. What I, while my other albums have had this, you know, big concept, you know, behind them all, this one was, the big concept behind this one was, can I work in a genre that I don't particularly care for? Yeah. You know, and, and, and what can I learn from that? And, and uh, that was the big thing for, for that my big takeaway from this experience making this album was I learned so much by just working in a genre that um, I normally, you know, if somebody paid me, <laughs> yeah. you know, I've, I've made beats for people and stuff like that. And so I'm not a stranger to that. And I enjoy that to, to its extent, because for me, that's, similar to just composition composition in anything you know in any format i'm going to enjoy to some aspect because all the creative process principles are there yeah. 
So even on that level, I did enjoy the creation of this album. Um, I've listened to it once all the way through, and I don't know if I'm ever going to listen to it again. <laughs> <laughs> it's a one and done. <laughs> you know, it's it's a. Uh, it, it's it's the it's the date that was prettier with your beer goggles on, you know, and and you're, oh yeah, yeah you see them the next day, and you're like, oh, you're not what I thought you were, you know, and, yeah. and maybe maybe this is just a one night thing, <laughs> <laughs> the one night stand album by Simon Milliman. <laughs> um, I still gave it a concept. You know, I invented a concept for myself and I called, you know, and I told myself, I'm going to make an album for solitary dancers, people who dance by themselves. Oh. And uh, so, so that's what I did. I, I made an album that um, I don't think you, even, even though I think it generally fits in the EDM larger umbrella of things yeah i don't you know i mean it, i i don't think i've i've made any hit club music here you know <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> what would you compare this album to movie wise that's a one and done for you oh boy um <sighs> that's a you good question that i know i wasn't <laughs> ready for that you know, uh, that is uh, an interesting question of, um, and, and I think it's it's a worthwhile question to say, is there anything you just, you, you experienced? And it could be a movie, it could be anything else. Yeah. And you're just like, that was an amazing experience, and I'm never going to do it again. Yeah. Even if I can, I'm still not going to. Um, yeah. And I think there there are there are movies like that where I'm just like, that was uh, a great movie, and I, I'm never gonna watch it again. It's over. Yeah. Y you know what movie just popped into my head, and I don't, I don't know why. I have no explanation for why this movie popped into my head. The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise. Yeah, I only watched that once. That's a good movie. Yeah. I was not I excited I never about wanted that to see movie it again, though. Yeah, I, I was not excited about that movie. Uh, I. You know, when I see a commercial for a movie that looks like it's following the white savior trope, <laughs> yeah, I'm not excited about it. Yeah, you know, um, and generally speaking, while I have the utmost respect for Tom Cruise's enthusiasm and what he, the the, the level of dedication that he puts into what he mm -hmm. does, you know, I if I hear Tom Cruise is in a movie, I'm not, I'm not. You know, I, I, my trigger finger to, you know, yeah. buy a ticket isn't, you know, I don't, I don't have it. So, um, so anyway, uh, maybe a movie like that where it's like, that's, a, that's an epic movie. Everything about that movie is extremely well done. Um, I really enjoyed that cinematic experience and I'll, I'll probably never, ever again in my life watch it on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. I actually would just talk. I don't know. It just popped in my mind. You're saying it, but I was having a conversation with my wife about this same thing, oddly. And we're, we're trying to get through this 
show, uh, This Much I Know is True with Mark Ruffalo. And it's just so heavy. It's like so depressing. Mm. And I watched the first episode and we got done and I said, I can't do this anymore. I just, <laughs> it's too down. Like, I don't yeah. usually mind that, but it was like so heavy where you just felt beat up. And I was like, oh, we got five more episodes. I was like, let's just take it off of our queue. We're never going to watch more of this. <laughs> it's really well done. It's just, eh. <laughs> Some things are like that. Some things, um, <laughs> you know what show my wife and I have really enjoyed, and, but we've we've struggled to go back and keep watching it, is uh, The Marvelous Miss Mabel. Mabel. Oh Maisel? my God. Maisel? Same as me. Same here for that. When I when I'm watching it, I'm like, this is really great. All the actors are great. One of my favorite television I say he's a television actor because I mostly see him on television, but I know he's done some movies too, is Tony Shaloub. Monk, you know. He's so fantastic. Yes. Every time I see him, he's an actor where you know, he's not like the biggest actor in the world, but if I see his name attached to something, I I I am interested in it because I love him so much. Yeah. So um, anyway, so that's a fantastic show, and I, I really enjoy it every time it's on. But I never put it on. <laughs> fantastic show that you can't get through. No yeah. thanks. <laughs> I, I I have no explanation for that either because yeah, I don't. I don't know either. But it's funny. It's like you send me or the listeners, you know, that Simon sends me the album hot off the presses, usually like a day or two before we do this. And I'm yeah. like, okay, I got to get in a space. I'm laying in my bed. I'm listening to mm, the Rubicon. Oh, I was wearing uh, shorts and a t-shirt. <laughs> Very seductive. Mm. <laughs> and I'm listening to it and it comes on and I hear all this like, drumming and stuff on the first song i'm like okay well, okay okay we're going and then it stops and then it's like are we going electro here what, what happened i was like, I was like this, he, he 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 fooled me again yeah a bunch of that you know He's raving um, on me yeah you know i you know i, I gotta say i've just never been in I, you know and i shouldn't say that because i there was a time in maybe late junior high, early high school where that kind of dance music, I was kind of into it, you know, um, and, and just certain tracks, you know, not, not like I was, I was picking up lots of albums. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but there were certain tracks. I'm trying to think of any of them. <laughs> it's, it's so funny when you say, Oh, I loved that. I just can't think of anything I loved. Um, yeah, yeah, but you know, it's not like, like I really enjoyed rap when, especially in the, in the later, like the second half of the eighties and the first half of the nineties, yep. I was, I was in, I was into rap and I was into a lot of different, uh, rap artists back then. Um, I, you know, after that, I, I kind of fell out. <laughs> I, I wouldn't here. say we had a falling out, but you know. And there, there's so there's been a couple of rappers over the years since then that I've continued to like. Um, um, I like some of Common stuff. Um, uh, oh man, his name just flew out of my head. The other one I that that's more recent that I really enjoyed. Um, 
Wow. Yeah. Good job, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> well, what does that tell you? I mean, for me, the quality has gone down tremendously far down the hole. So I'm like, eh, you know, I'm a fan of the same period of uh, hip hop music, you know? Yeah. There's, <clears throat> and, and there's certain tracks that, that, that I, that I really like. Yeah. Did you ever watch the, the, what was it? The Marvel TV show. Um, uh, it was, it was one of the Netflix ones. It was the Luke Cage one. Did you ever yeah, watch that? I watched it. Yeah. I watched it mostly for the soundtrack. Yeah. Those guys who produced that soundtrack, I was in love with that soundtrack and the artists that they would bring on. All those artists and all the all the songs that they did for that movie, and not all the songs were original for the movie, but they yeah. you know bring them in. But they were excellent. Who you know whoever just came up with the idea to hire, you know, such and such people. And and this is the kind of music that we're doing. And these are the artists we're going to bring onto the show. I mean, nailed it more than any other aspect of the show. For me, they just nailed the music and I would watch the show just for the music. Wow. <laughs> I didn't like, I didn't like the Luke Cage entry into the whole thing. I was like, eh, it's not what I wanted. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, yeah, you know, it, it, I, know I think I that's a difficult, yeah. Uh, once again, lots of great talent. Yes. I forget the name of the actor who's Luke yes. Cage, Isn't it like Michael something. Michael something, yeah, but he's excellent in most things that he's in. Yeah. yeah, and I thought he was a perfect Luke Cage. Yeah. The unfortunate, you know, uh, script for that show you know, uh, <laughs> it had a few good episodes. It yeah. had some good moments. But all in all, it felt like a TV show. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and, and I, you know, my kids are pretty excited for the upcoming Marvel shows on Disney Plus, you know. Mm-hmm. I think there's one called WandaVision that's coming out first or something like that. Right. Anyway, yeah. we're, we're watching the the previews for those shows and those shows look like movies that they've just cut up they do. you know they look like cinema cinematic movies that they've just cut up into episodes so the production value is just i can't say anything about the scripts for those shows or the actual right. you know shows themselves yet but just on a production level those don't look like tv shows <laughs> you know those... not at all no. so we're we're getting I think as a society, especially in specific genres like that, when it comes to like an action and a superhero kind of genre like that, we're getting more and more spoiled. Yeah. You know, do you remember the show? Uh, oh, oh, man. What, what's it called? The Great American Hero? Last American? Believe it or not. I'm yes, walking on, walking air. on air. Yeah, um, yeah. Those effects aren't going to fly anymore. <laughs> no, you know? I mean, no. <laughs> the technology is too good. Cage, it has to be a level. Yeah, and Luke Cage sometimes felt like it was still on that kind of a TV show yeah. level. Obviously, you know, better, but you know, but it was kind of like today's era level of that, where. Yeah, it's impressive for a TV show, but it's still a TV show. 
and, and why do they insist on not giving me enough superhero power time on these shows? <laughs> like I know, right? <laughs> it's always about like the angst and the fallout and all of this emotional complexity, which I'm a fan of on some level, but it's a superhero. I want to see him punch through walls and hurt people and do stuff. Like I, I'm not, not that in. It's like Wonder Woman 1984. I was heavily disappointed with it. Heavily. You know, I, I haven't watched it. I, I've, I've heard that most people were really disappointed with it. And from what I've heard, I think I would be as well, which so I haven't been. <laughs> you know, Don't so waste your time. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad it is. Don't waste your time with it. You know, I, I, I just told my older brother recently in a conversation I hadn't and I never watched the last Star Wars that they made the mm-hmm. I can't remember the title of it anymore. The Rise yeah. of Skywalker or whatever. And he said the same thing. He's like, yeah, don't don't bother. And it's like, I knew that already. And that's why I hadn't bothered when they started when they rebooted the franchise. We started going on my birthday and that was going to be our thing because Star Wars Star Wars is the first movie I was ever in the theater for, and I was a baby. My parents brought me, because I was born in 77, that's when Star Wars came out. My parents went to the theater, and they brought me as a baby, and I apparently was a very well-behaved baby, because they were able to watch the movie and everything. But, um, But I can't help but think that that did something in my subconscious, because I was, and still am, of the original trilogy, just the diehard fan. Yes. And I fully accept that there are bad things in the original trilogy, especially in Return of the Jedi. I mean, get get those freaking Ewoks out of here. I never want to see <laughs> or hear about a freaking Ewok ever again. Um and that was that was George Lucas at his, you know, you could tell George Lucas had too much power over it because what what's wrong with most, uh, well, of the Luke Lucas Star Wars movies, what's wrong? There's too much going on. Yeah. You know, and he splits up his characters that we want to see together. You know, I want, you know, and that works in Empire Strikes Back. But then you, you want, the, they're reunited in Return of the Jedi. You want them to stick together. And then he splits them up again. You're like, what are you doing? <laughs> Stop splitting up my heroes. Come on. So, but Return of the Jedi on an emotional level, you know, the the final face off between Luke and Vader. I mean, does this the cinema get any better than that? Oh, it's amazing. I don't I don't know if it does, honestly. And that's that might sound like a silly thing to say, but I really don't know if cinema ever gets any better than when Vader says sister twin sister you know and and luke comes charging out from under the stairs one last yep. time and i mean and the music when they uh, put the whole, yeah. and yes. the whole thing it was like wow and it's just like everything that's good about that moment is is an emotional level and and to and to your point what you were saying we still get all the lightsaber, you know, stuff. There's still, you know, force users wielding lightsabers and stuff like that. But they're not doing fancy kicks and flips. They're not doing, you know, this amazing choreography. You've got just one guy, a, a, a son, 
hacking away at his own father yep. to protect his sister. I mean, that's as good as cinema's going to get. It's pretty good. You know, and and that's, you know, that's that Shakespearean level of, uh, you know, drama. Yes. Yes. That we that we like. And and so you can you can ha- you can have your your cake and eat it too. <laughs> it just Yeah. It's just really rare when we get it. It depends on who's making that cake, man. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, you compare that to you know Lucas's follow up to the to that, which is the prequel, to episode mm-hmm. one, and he does a similar thing. He splits up his heroes. He's got them in like four different locations, you know, doing different things. He's got an epic lightsaber battle between this dark cloaked bad guy and the good Jedi knights, and there's zero emotion in it whatsoever, even in the death of Qui Gon. I feel I and I and in and in the moment of watching it for the first time I remember distinctly and I and I didn't question it in this way but I felt nothing and and I could feel my you know something in my brain wondering why why do I feel nothing I should feel something right now yeah but I don't <laughs> just empty <laughs> but I don't think it was me because I went into this with all the hopes and expectations that I would feel something. Yeah. And I, and I didn't. I felt absolutely nothing. <laughs> so what was the feeling when you completed the Rubicon? Like, what was that? Was it, do you compare it to a movie or did you start Oh, I felt nothing. It? You felt nothing? Yeah, you're like, <laughs> no. No. <laughs> you know what's really funny is, that, you know, I wasn't as emotionally invested in this as I have been other yeah. a- um, albums. And... That's not to say that I think the album is void of emotion. And in fact, the one time I've listened to it all the way through, I listened to it in my living room and I just put it on out there because this is a different genre than I'm used to working in. The reason I wouldn't listen to it out there is because I have different speakers out there and I wanted to see if it actually translated to other sound systems. And to my surprise, it sounded fantastic. And I was just like, okay, maybe... Maybe, you know, that that this this album has served its purpose that I have grown exponentially in my own production skills. Mm. And if that's all I got out of it, then I'm really happy with it because that's what I kind of went into it for. Um, but I'm out there listening to it and the last track comes on 2020 Hindsight. Is that what it's called? I think so. Yes. That is what it's called. Okay. I was I cheated. I looked it up. Uh, <laughs> you made it, man. <laughs> I um, but it comes on and my daughter asks a question about I can't remember the specific question. Something about what is this song, you know, or what what is this music supposed to be or something like that. And I said, Well, it's called 2020 hindsight. And I kind of composed it thinking about um, looking, closing that chapter on 2020. And, uh, so it's based around in compositional terms, it's based around what's called an Amen cadence, which in your, in your scale, um, sorry, I'm going to go into music theory for you real quick, but <laughs> all good. just take your C major scale, 
your, your one chord on your C major scale is your, just your C major chord. The fourth of that scale is the, is the F, and so that's your F major chord. An amen cadence is when you go from the fourth to the first, and you get what you, what you hear at the end of you know gospel music, amen. Right. That's the amen cadence. And so, and, and that's how you close your, your sacred hymn, you know, and I thought, well, I'm just going to do a song that's based around that as an amen, a close to uh, this. Um, I'm calling it a sacred space because even though I, I, I doubt many people would, if they hear me say 2020 is sacred, <laughs> they might disagree. Right. However, I... um. Oh man, there's a great line in a Bruce Springsteen song, and I'm probably going to have to paraphrase it if I don't get the wording quite right. One of my favorite lines in a song, though, it's in a song called uh, "Living in the Future." Uh, it's on the album. I'm blanking on the album, which album it is. But anyway, the song is called "Living in the Future," and it, and he, and he the the line starts with something like the question, like something like, "Is that rolling thunder or the sacred sound?" of someone righteous going under. And I just love that line so much. Could there be anything more sacred than, um, let's just, let's just call it what it is, a tragedy. The, The definition of a tragic tragedy in the old sense of like the plays and stuff is somebody noble falling. That's why it's tragic. Can there be anything more sacred than that? I, I don't know. I don't know if there can be. So <clears throat> when I look back at, at 2020 and I think of all the people who have suffered and all the good people who, um, uh, you know, passed away, whether it was from COVID or, <clears throat> or whatever. And I think about the black lives matter movement and I think about everything that, you know, all the drama around that and, um, it, it just how difficult 2020 was not just physically, and not just on the psyche, but also on a spiritual level to the United States. And I'm assuming the world, well, I can't speak for everybody, but it feels like a sacred moment of, of uh, so many established things that we thought were noble being torn down mm. and, 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 and taking a tragic fall. And a lot of the things that we just wanted to be noble, even though we knew they weren't, or maybe they we we always knew they weren't as noble. You know, we could just take the founding fathers of the nation. Right. We knew that they were men of great uh, intelligence, of of amazing ability, of great genius, but maybe not quite as noble as we wanted them to be. And, and, and that's proven in just in the topic of slavery. Right. Um, my own personal hero, George Washington, who I just think was one of the most noble human beings to ever walk the face of the earth. And in his will, he had a clause in his will to free his slaves. Um, well, I'm sorry. He had a clause in his will that his slaves would be freed after his wife passed away. Mm. 
So he was thinking of his wife and the comfort level of his wife and her, her, you know, comfort of living and stuff like that. Sounds noble, but of course he's saying keep a slave. He's also saying free my slaves, which sounds noble, (laughs) but he's only saying to free them after he and his wife have, have passed on. So we have a conflict here of nobility and selfishness. Um. And I'm not trying to tear down George Washington. I would never do that. But I'm just recognizing his humanity. Yeah. That he's a man of his time. He's not perfect. Even though I do think, ultimately, he is a noble and great man. According to our modern sensibility, he's not as noble as we wanted him to be. <laughs> yeah. So I just feel like we had a lot of that. I feel like that really came to fore in the consciousness of America. That, you know, maybe maybe, maybe all these people that we've been trying to put up in high esteem aren't as noble as we want them to be. We're holding them to a high standard because we want them to be so noble. But maybe they're just not. <laughs> right. Maybe that's the conclusion. Um, And I think that's just something that everybody has to grapple with, no matter your political persuasion, no matter how much you want your side to be right. You have to grapple with the idea that, you know, you know, if you're a Democrat, maybe your people are trying to do the right thing, but they're going about it the wrong way. (laughs) You know? If you're a Republican, maybe your people are trying to put forth what they think are are good policies, but they're using bad people to do it. You know, and and if you can't grapple with those questions, then you are living and will, you know, you're just allowing yourself to be ignorant. And I don't I don't know if that's a a great way to live or a great way to grow as a human being. Yeah. You went deep there, man. You went really deep. I mean, you transitioned from, we were talking about Star Wars, you know, <laughs> it well, went down deep below the surface, man. I love it. Uh, I, You know, you can go deep with the original trilogy. I don't know if you can go deep with the rest of it. I don't but, think so. Um, yeah. Yeah, I started out this whole thing talking about how when the when the when they reboot the franchise, we were going on my birthday because that's you know it was my birthday present to myself and my family that we we're going to go watch Star Wars in the theater the way it should be watched. Yeah, <clears throat> and I was thoroughly let down by the first one, although I still enjoyed it. I I actually enjoyed the new characters they introduced a lot more than I thought I would. I liked Ray and Finn and Poe and, and, you know, I I was just like, okay, this is, this this is um, not, it didn't blow me away. I wasn't just like, wow, this is great. You know, this is a return to form, even though it was specifically designed (laughs) to be a, you know, (laughs) to to return to the exact form. Right. but, you know, it was just like, it was what it was. And I felt like, okay, at the end when we see Luke in his gray cloaks and everything, I was just yeah. like, oh, man, I had all these things running through my head. And Luke from childhood was my boy. And, and you know, he's he was my my hero. And, and um, he, you know, 
so when I saw him dressed like that, I, you know, I talked to my kids about so much stuff. I was just like, did yeah. you notice he's dressed in gray? He's not dressed in all light. He's not dressed in all dark. He's dressed in gray because he's in between now. He's, he's, he's figured out that, you know, it doesn't have to be dark side versus, you know, the light side of the force and stuff. Like, you know, I had all this stuff and I had all these ambitious <laughs> ideas in my head to where they were going with the character Luke. And then we watched The Last Jedi and I decided I'm yeah. done with Star Wars. <laughs> it's just over. Yeah. I was just like, if that's how they're going to run this franchise, I am done. Isn't there a weird parallel? At least in my mind, you talk about reboot the franchise and in some ways... It feels like in America, we're trying to reboot the franchise. You know, it's <laughs> good. It's like we had a movie and it's like, oh, here's the sequel. And everybody's like, I don't know how we want to make this franchise reboot this thing. Is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? Who are the actors? Yeah. You know, like, Man. And, and you know, it, it does feel like um, it, in a sense, in that sense, it feels like the prequels. Where yeah. you can make you can make good actors look bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> Back to that uh, other point of like, you know, people who might have been noble all of a sudden. Oh my gosh, I, I don't particularly like to name names, but there's one. If there's one name I want to get off my chest, it's Lindsey Graham. <laughs> <laughs> get it off your chest. <clears throat> that dude. If you would ask me six years ago if Lindsey Graham was a solid, noble person, I would have unequivocally said yes. Yeah. But the moment John McCain dies, Lindsey Graham shows that he has no backbone whatsoever, no. that he just will roll over for anything. And then he has the audacity to give that speech from the floor yep. after the, the riots at the Capitol and, and say enough is enough. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? When your boy John McCain was around, you said enough was enough before this crazy person was even voted in to the White House. But ever since he died, you've been trying to talk like Trump is great. And that you just do his bidding and you're just his little puppy. He says, fetch my slippers. You do it. He's like, roll over. You do it, you know? And so anyway, that dude I, is, is, is probably picture perfect of what I was talking about. Who somebody that I thought was a noble person suffering in the last four years, this tragic fall from, from grace in my eyes yeah, and uh, showing that he's, he's a coward. He's a he's coward. Like the guy in the movie who gets, who's on one side and then he gets captured on a barren planet and becomes like part of the <laughs> resistance. But then you realize yeah. he's like a mole through the resistance. And you're like, Oh, wait a minute. It's like, I'm like, <laughs> you can always go back yeah. to movies for any of these guys. Come on. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. Trump thinks he's Palpatine or something. I mean, he's like <laughs> uh, he, he, he does, you know. He's, he wants <laughs> he's trying to create the first galactic empire. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, you know. <laughs> just the Star Wars thing is spot on. I'm telling you. 
No, it really is. And, and you know, to, to George Lucas's credit, I mean, he he was never at a loss for good ideas, but he was at a loss of how to write them into a good screenplay. Yeah. Especially for the prequels. He was, you know, he apparently did all the writing himself. And that was just a really bad idea. He should have brought somebody else his great ideas and said, write me a great screenplay. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. and um, I don't know who, who we could go to for rewrites at this point. I will tell you, um, Joe Biden was near the bottom of my list of people that I wanted to replace Trump. Yeah. However, of all the places I, to be, I was at uh, in the car mechanics waiting room <laughs> while, yeah. while my car was getting worked on. When Biden gave that speech in the morning, kind of after the riots. Yeah. And um, I got to tell you. I felt I felt a real peace. You felt the hearing yeah, that guy talk. I did too. Because you know, and, and the thoughts that came to my head were, okay, this is the kind of talk we're gonna hear for the next four years mm-hmm. from the most powerful person on you know, in the country. This is the kind of rhetoric we're going to hear for the next four years. You know, and and I just felt so peaceful about that. And now knowing that after Trump leaves office, he no longer has Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And so we don't have to hear from him ever again. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing that he's been silenced and that the new voice is a voice of calm and peace and unity and just moving forward and... um. You know, he's, he, you know, anybody can say what they will about, you know, a specific policy or whatever they want about, you know, Joe Biden, or or maybe you disagreed with some way that he voted or acted in the past or something like that. And, and he's not perfect, but I, I got to tell you, I'm really happy. <laughs> I'm really yeah. happy that this is the guy. I think a lot of people are happy. I mean, I think it's kind of like, I had the same feeling for that speech. And I, I told my wife, I said, is it sad that when you hear something that you used to hear and it feels like nostalgia, like all over again, like you're like, you're, you didn't realize how much you wanted normalcy, a peacefulness in your life because you were bombarded with controversy all the time. And it's, it's, it just, it's nice. It's it should make you feel good. Even if you know like listen, as you said, no human is perfect, nor will they ever be. People have things that they've done, all of us. And I'm not striving for perfection in the person that is doing all these things, but I am striving to see somebody give an effort towards being good and espousing good things in life. Just give you know, me the action, man. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying you're going to be great. All just give me the effort. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, at least pretend to be selfless. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like our favorite action heroes. Come on, yeah. did you see Arnold's? I know you saw Arnold's speech, man. Oh yeah, I with shared the that with my sword. Wife, I was right like, away. Simon. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, I can't believe I didn't think to 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 talk about that with you via text. What's wrong with you, man? I, I know. <laughs> I I sent that to my wife, and we talked about it, and we just talked about because my wife is still a registered Republican. Yeah. And if I can say anything about my wife, it's that she's human, mm-hmm. and 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 that to me that is the best compliment I can give somebody, because being human means you're full of contradiction. It means you are full of um, existential crisis, mm-hmm. let's just say. You know, if, if you're a simple kind of animal and all you, you know, you're, you're working on flight, you know, fight and flight and all these kind of things, you're not emotionally processing the moment. You're not grateful for the kill, you know, <laughs> any of those things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, but but my wife, she's so human, and so she's constantly at an emotional crossroads, and I think that is just, you know, um, it it can feel unhealthy in the moment, but I think it's one of the most healthy things to be. So my wife is a Republican that can't stand the Republican Party; mm-hmm. she just can't stand it. You know, she can't stand these bozos who are leading it. She can't stand basically anything about it right now. And I just really appreciate that about her. I appreciate that she still defines herself as, you know, a conservative and a Republican because she espouses what you what you just said, that nostalgia. Hmm. She espouses what she and I grew up being told the Republican Party stood for, you know, small government, um, you know, low taxes, let let people live their lives, um, but it was it, what we grew up thinking that it was a compassionate one, mm. that it was a Christian one right. that, you know, and, and Christian, not meaning <clears throat> that Christian in in the sense that you are damning other people who aren't Christian, but Christian in the sense that you are loving and accepting of yes. everyone yes. as as Jesus told us to. Exactly. And to, you know, and, and I kind of clued in, you know, in, in, in my early 20s that that wasn't uh, there, not just in the Republican Party, but in any party. And that's when I became an independent. I just decided I'm not in there. So, but anyway, but my wife has stayed um, kind of loyal to this thing that she despi- <laughs> despises. <laughs> But when she, but my point in saying all of that is just to say when we when we talked about that Arnold Schwarzenegger clip, we were just we were talking about that's what we thought re, Arnold Schwarzenegger is who we thought Republicans are. Yeah, that's who we grow up thinking that's a Republican. It's somebody who who congratulates the other side. Let me just say this in in kind of like mythological and psychological terms, Arnold Schwarzenegger as in that video represents the mature masculine. Hmm. He congratulates the opposition. He is not threatened by Joe Biden being elected president. He's not threatened by a Democrat in office. He's not threatened by the Democrats controlling the house and the Senate and the white house. He's not threatened by this. He says, congratulations. What does he say at the end? Your success is our success. Yes. That's the mature way to approach things, anything. And I remember when uh, 
Oh gosh, it was um Oh man, come on, his name just flew right out of my head. Amazing stand-up comedian, uh had his own show. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> oh man. I can't help you. <laughs> he's black and he's bald and he smokes when he does his comedy. What? He's one of the most famous people on the Paul planet Mooney? right now. I mean, no, no oh, he's, he's, he's dead. Never mind. Uh Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle, thank you very much. So Dave Chappelle, when he hosted Saturday Night Live right after Trump was elected, and he basically said the same thing. He said, let's give him a chance. Let's let's see. I think in an interview he later later said he regretted he regrets <laughs> saying that. <laughs> but that's the attitude of the mature masculine that that, that we're talking about, is that um you celebrate another's success. You're not threatened by somebody else being great or or yeah. or even better than you. You you're not threatened by that because you know who you are. And and you know who they are. You have a realistic vision of who we are. I've never felt, you know, threatened, quote unquote, by Donald Trump. I've always known who he is. Correct. I I I've, nothing he's ever done has ever surprised me. I said this to my kids after the Capitol riots. I said, I was surprised. No, no, no. Sorry, I'm mixing up my words. I said, I was shocked, but I wasn't surprised. Hmm. It was shocking to see the Capitol under siege by an angry mob. It was shocking. Was I surprised? No. This is what I always thought was the ultimate end of a Trump presidency. Ever since he was elected, I said this, and I sounded like a prophet of doom, right? And and I and I didn't think he was going to destroy the country because I think we're more resilient than that. But I knew it was going to end badly. Yeah. So you know, and and and, and he's. I'm not saying he's proven me right, but he's proven himself to be himself at every step, at every opportunity. Yes. My wife has said that forever about it and the whole thing. And, and for anybody who listens to this, you're actually, you're talking, this isn't like far left leaning people talking about this. You're talking about two registered independents (laughs) discussing this politically independent people. So it's not like we have sides on either side of this, of those particular things. It's just, I think we are both similar in that we just want good humans. We want people to be good people and congratulate others when they succeed. And we want accountability. I would imagine when people do things they shouldn't be doing, but we also have compassion for people, compassion for their circumstances in life and how they grew up. But there's also accountability but like, give me something. Give me the the good old boy try of like being good. Like, just yeah. like just <laughs> the, the old college try. Just give me you the know? old college try. Like the lack of effort is appalling on any level. For me, it's like, I mean, you know, and not recognizing the position you're in. You know, listen, there is respect. You could always take this stuff back to superhero movies, right? You know, with great, you know, re- uh, power comes great responsibility. When you're on exactly. a, when you have so much you have a huge platform and people see you all the time. It doesn't matter if you don't think that what you say or you're a role model, you just are. People follow other people all the time. And so your 
what you say carries a lot of weight. And, yeah. and I think we have, we have to, I am not a huge person of any magnitude in, that society would say that, but I'm careful about what I say all the time and how the effect that has on my wife, my daughter, my friendships on that. Yeah, you have a greater responsibility, even more as you're larger in life, in a sense. You know, if you were to talk to my friends, they would tell you probably the opposite about me. That 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 I have no filter, but they have no (laughs) idea how much I filter. (laughs) Oh man, yeah, seriously. Oh man, do I have a filter? Yeah, of course you do. Yeah, but but I, I I I. So there's a difference. There's a huge difference between saying something that you know is untrue and you're saying it because it's funny. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so in, in those respects, I've never had a problem with racial humor, chauvinistic humor, you know, always to an extent, yeah. you know, um, political humor, uh, gender humor. All of this stuff is fair game if you know it's not true, that's what makes it funny. You know, it, it, you know, and it doesn't matter what the punchline is or, or, or something like that. Um, but, you know, I, I say stupid chauvinistic things to my wife all the time. No, I shouldn't say all the time. But, you know, <laughs> I, but I, I'm saying like, she knows I know it's not true. Yeah. I know I know it's not true. That's why I said it because it's funny. It's obviously stupid thing to say. That's why I think it's silly. If I ever thought for a moment that any of those things were true, that's when it becomes unfunny. The the problem with somebody like a Donald Trump, like he's 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 he'd be perfectly cast in a movie where this character you know is just a bad, you know, human. <laughs> He's he's a bad he's a poor example of a human. That's what makes him funny. The problem is he's the leader of the free world and he doesn't think he's being funny. He thinks he's being right. Right. <laughs> and a lot of people are fooled into thinking he's right. And a lot of people and even if they don't think he's right, they're fooled into thinking, well, that's just him, you know, that's okay, you know, blah blah blah. It's like, well, actually it's not okay. Yeah. Because he re- represents democracy to the rest of the world. And so if you, you are a strong believer in democracy, then having somebody, you know, whether you agree with their policies or not, just having somebody who can represent our nation to the world in a noble way is important. It's important what they tweet. It's important what they say on camera. It's important that they take sides on an issue, you know, and they take a noble side, even sometimes when it's unpopular. Yeah. Um, You're right. So I've always just had great respect for people who do that. Um, For that reason, you know, back in, uh, what was it, 2008, I think I voted for John McCain. I didn't know Obama very well. He seemed young and, and exciting to me, maybe he seemed too young, but I wanted John McCain there because he is, was an example of all the things I just talked about. Yeah. Um, he, he was oftentimes very unpopular within his own party, 
because he was always trying to do the right thing. So I wanted him to be president, even... <laughs> now, I got to say, you know, when he brought in... <laughs> Yes. The vice president. Uh, <laughs> lost, so he really lost me there. And I think he lost, <clears throat> I think he lost the election a lot, a lot because of that. <clears throat> and, uh, but Obama's elected president, I, I'm not sad. I'm not even for a moment thinking, oh, there goes the country. I'm no. thinking, all right, first black president. This is amazing. Yeah. Congratulations to this man who's made history. And, and, and I, you know, I wasn't going to vote for him just to make history with the first black president. I was going to vote for somebody that I thought was going to be a good president. And I think Obama was a good president and I'm not taking that away from him. I don't think it was the greatest president in history. I don't think he, he fulfilled all the promises that, that he, that he made, you know, uh, I think he went about certain things the wrong way. Um, and I, and I think he stayed too invested in de established Democrat people and policies and things like that. So there's a, there's a host of things I could criticize him for, but going back to the original point, he's a good man. Yeah. And McCain isn't, wasn't that concession speech, one of the greatest speeches I believe on hey, record. Oh, I yeah. mean, it was, I remember oh, yeah. the entire thing. I remember. Oh it. yeah. And I remember thinking at that time, like how beautiful is that, that, you know, there's a contest and, Hey, it didn't go your way. I mean, that's the beauty of sports is, hey, you know, a team, a teams play each other, individuals play each other, and one person or one team wins and the other one loses, and how, that, how you react after that. And I think yeah. that's, what was, that's what's been so crippling, I think, for this is the lesson you're teaching people about losing, that mm -hmm. it can't be right unless I win. And there's a lot of yeah. great lessons in losing. Man, you lose a lot in life if you are ambitious and you're working hard and you're doing things. And even if none of that happens, you're still losing a lot in life in many ways. And how you comport yourself in the losing says a lot about you, man. It's easy to win. When you win, it's amazing. It's so yeah. easy. Oh, my. It's <clears throat> incredible. It's not that hard, though, to enjoy winning, at least for a lot. It's just exciting. You know, losing sucks, man. It really does. <laughs> It's no it fun at all. But it man, does. when I see somebody that loses and they're like, man, you know, we both, we went out there, we worked hard. They came out on top. You know, I tip my hat to them. I want to see the tip of the hat again. I'm ready for that. You know, yeah. like, good job. man. Yeah. You know, you want to see, you know, after a prize fight, you know, the loser hold up the hand of the winner. Yeah. That's what you want to see. Or the winner hold up the hand of the loser. Yeah. You know, and just say... You know, um, the important thing was the contest. Yes. You know, the outcome, you know, we are so concentrated on the outcome that we so often forget that the contest is where we prove the kind of people we are. Yes. The outcome doesn't prove that because the outcome is, is, is not always what we wanted. Yeah. But it is is in the you know call it, if you want to use really cheesy terms you know you can say it's in the journey you know yeah, yeah. but it's in that struggle you know that that we uh, that we prove who we are. It's like this is I know movie stuff and we're running we're coming down the pipe here but it's like Rocky Four man even if Rocky loses that flight fight to Drago 
he basically conquered everything he wanted to conquer personally when he was in Russia and training and with his wife. And, you know, he, he gave every last effort, the journey and winning. Of course he wanted yeah. to win and he won, but it was like that whole detailed training montage. That was like my favorite part of the whole movie. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the training, the, the yeah. guts, you know, the yeah. isolation. That was the movie to me, not the final fight while it was exciting. It was that part. It's the they showed the process of training. They didn't just go, "Oh, now we're in Russia. They're having the fight." They said, "Here, the the this process is really what will make you enjoy the end result of what happened yeah. in the movie." That's why it's my favorite one because it was so the difference in the training. One guy's training with all the technology. One guy's training with with nothingness in the guy's country, training in the barren, you know, snowlands. And like the, yeah. the opposites, it was so well done, but it made me appreciate the beauty of training, of the process. It is unglamorous. It's not exciting. It is monotonous, but it's necessary. That is well said, you know, I know, I know. that's <laughs> of course. <laughs> I was going to say the, the, the reason uh, for me that Rocky IV, you know, earns its existence is the soundtrack. Oh, the, the synth soundtrack. I mean, <laughs> great. I don't man. know why they play anything else in a gym <laughs> other than just like Rocky film soundtracks. Or you like know, when he's know. when he's like when they play that song and it's like, there's no easy way out. <laughs> There's no shortcut. No oh my god! And I hear that. I want to go train immediately. I'm like, I see yeah. him. He's riding in the car. You know the flashbacks. I'm like, who made this movie? This is incredible. <laughs> Whenever I think of that song, um, when I was young, uh, we we had we would take you know um, there was a couple of summers that we would take these vacations for like two months at our motorhome. And we lived in Alaska, you know, Anchorage, Alaska. And so we'd get in the motorhome and we'd drive down, you know, through Canada and down the West Coast. And we'd end up in, you know, California and maybe we'd go over to Utah and Denver. And we'd just, you know, see lots of friends and family, extended family and stuff like that along the way. And it was just uh, a really beautiful, wonderful uh, experience every time. But what my, my memory from that that connects to this is my older sister and I, we used to sing together all the time, just be really goofy all the time. We used to do a lot of Elvis songs and stuff like that. And we'd just stand in front of the mirror and be, you know, silly. But anyway, we're, we're, we're in the motorhome. We're still in our hometown Anchorage, but we've just started the drive and we know it's going to be a long drive. It's going to be a few days of really long drives going through Canada. And we start singing, there's no easy way out. <laughs> Of this motor home. <laughs> that's 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 my memory from that. Um, that's incredible. Listen, man, you're the man, Simon. Hey, Rubicon. before we wrap up, yes. can I can I can I read those lyrics from the Bruce Springsteen song real quick? You read it, man. Um, let me just say, let me just, there's go read the rest of these lyrics, but I won't read them all. I'll just read this last verse. I'm rolling through town. A lost cowboy at sundown, got a monkey on a leash, got my ear tuned to the ground. My faith's been torn asunder. Tell me, is that rolling thunder or just the sinking sound of something righteous going under? Just 
just love those words. And I just think that's a great epitaph to 2020. Uh, much better than anything I did in the Rubicon. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I haven't turned anybody off from listening to it. I, you know, uh, my, my kids told me when we were listening to it, they, they thought it was pretty dang good. Um, you know, I, I have my personal feelings about that whole genre, but, um, you know, I, I think there's, there's, even if I'm not a big fan of the genre, I think I did a lot of things in this album that are pretty cool. Pretty Most cool. Definitely. Most definitely, you know? man. I, I liked it. Honestly, I definitely liked it. And, uh, happy to be going on this journey with you, Simon Milliman, everyone. Thank you very much, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. All right. See you soon.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone.